Guess uh, what Yola wanted to be before he became a veterinarian? What did I want to be? Guess. Oh, uh, yeah. Guess. A male model? Oh. <laughs> oh, I love her, oh. you know. Why did we wait so long to get her on this podcast? That's what I want. You're working it. Is that yes. Good? Brown yes. nose. Or exactly. I have brown nose finger. She's yeah. working it. Oh. Instead of searching fingers, yeah. she has brown nose fingers. Yeah. What no. was it? He wanted to be an Egyptologist. Sorry for saying Sorry Media presents the Purr Podcast, the best podcast for feline medicine and surgery with tips, tricks, and updates for the entire veterinary healthcare team. If you're dying to know more about cats, keep on listening. Here are your hosts, Dr. Susan Little, famous cat vet and textbook author, and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein, talented surgeon and social media geek. Hello, this is Dr. Yola Kirpenstein. And I'm Dr. Susan Little. Hello, Susan. How are you? Um, pretty good. <laughs> I have to stop Start. and think about it for a moment. Yes, yes, I saw that. Okay. A little hesitation there. Yeah, you so. know, so that's the type of question that you never know if people want the answer. Correct. Right? Yes. Or they just want you to say, mm. I'm fine. You I'm know just... in about three seconds, though, when their eyes glaze over like, oh, I was supposed to just say I'm fine. Yes. <laughs> and move on. Yes. yes. And I noticed that when people just keep on walking. So I start my yeah. monologue about yeah, how gone. I'm feeling and the person is already like yeah. two streets away from me and I'm like, okay, I think he just wanted to hear I'm fine. Yes. Yeah. It was yeah. just a social lubricant. It wasn't a in-depth. Exactly. Um, so we have a wonderful guest. We do. Mm-hmm. Finally. Finally. Yay. After all this time. All yeah. these years. Yeah. So all these podcasts. I know, I know. It took a year about it to uh, mm-hmm. book her mm-hmm. because she's so So famous. in demand. We waited a year for you. So I honestly thought you guys just didn't like me anymore. <laughs> oh. I've heard your podcast and we can't oh. be associated with that. So, so we have fellow podcaster, <laughs> yeah. a famous book writer. Yeah. And would you like to introduce yourself? Well, thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Jessica Vogelsang. Yay, Dr. V is on the show. <laughs> is, she, are, is she the first? First podcaster? Have we had uh, another podcaster on? Oh, that's it. I, I, I yeah. hate to say no yeah. because then some then will we'll call be wrong. Us but I feel and they like will, they will say, Oh, I was on your show. And I have a podcast. <laughs> I feel like it could be. It might be. One yes. of the first. Yeah, how's that? Cover your bases. Let's do the, just One the of the first. Let's stick out our necks and yeah. say, yes, you're the first podcaster. <laughs> yeah. We're so excited to have a real podcaster. Yes. I am so excited to be podcasting with other real podcasters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is going to be great. Yes, yeah, so hence the technical talk at lunchtime about microphones. Yeah, yes. I'm obsessed with your microphone, mm-hmm. by the yeah. way. Oh, it, thank you. It, it, it looks like the Pixar logo. <gasps> I know Maybe it does. Maybe that's why I it love it. Can yeah. you make a little oh. tiny e-collar for it? Oh, I oh I love oh, that idea. Oh, that's a great idea. You'll make little. Oh, I knew I liked them. I know. So <laughs> well, we picked up this microphone where, Doctor Susan? In Las Vegas. In Las Vegas. At the Consumer Electronics. I show. know. Because it was going cheap, and we thought like. Yeah. We were in the Koreans in, in the Korean. Oh, that's true. Area. That's true. And we're walking by, and I said, "Oh, that's cute." And he said, "Oh, it's fifty percent off." And I was like, "Okay." So, so no, no. We first asked, yeah. "How much is fifty percent off?" <laughs> Yola asked because Susan exactly. was like, "So Susan was okay. I'll take it." I said, <laughs> "Okay, wait, 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 wait." Uh, and so he said eighty dollars. I said eighty dollars with fifty percent, or no forty dollars. I said sold. Yeah. Uh, how bad can it be? <laughs> and it is, as a matter of fact, really good sound. We like them. It's easy to travel with. Yes. 
And he's cute. And he's very cute because yeah, he's he's yeah. We'll have to post a picture of him. He's we'll post a picture of him so everybody can see what he looks like. Totally adorable. Because he's really cute. Yeah. But I have a burning topic that I need to ask you about, Jessica. Okay. Your surgeon's hands. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about your surgeon's hands. Yeah. So so we were having this conversation, right, Yola, when you were um, we were discussing about whether one eats flatbreads with a, a fork and knife or your fingers and you said I, I have to use utensils because I'm a, I'm a surgeon I have surgeon hands and it just it reminded me of a conversation I had in high school where my my physics teacher who he looks just like John Lovitz I don't know if you know yeah, who yeah. that is but yeah. he, and he has that same carriage and he's like you have surgeon hands and he just went off about his day and I was so honored that he said that, and I took it to heart, and it just, you know, this is why you shouldn't listen to people when they just throw one off Mm. things at you, because I took it with me for so many years, um, (laughs) through college and into veterinary school, and I'm going to be a surgeon, because Mr. Vera, I said I had surgeon hands. Um, If you're listening, sir. (laughs) Mr. Vera. You were wrong. You were me. Because I I got into surgery and realized I, I really I don't um, have surgeon hands at all. And, and I realized this during my orthopedic surgery rotation. And all I had to do was cut the residents. Um, mm. I had to cut the residents' sutures. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought you yeah. had to cut the resident. I'm like, what? No, no, no. What? They didn't what? let me do that. Yeah. I just had to cut the sutures. And so yeah. he gets all the way to the end of the incision. And then he goes back to the beginning and starts suturing again. I'm like, did I actually cut through? All of your sutures, and he said, uh, "Yes, yes." <laughs> and uh, and the worst part was that was the end of my senior year. It wasn't oh. even the beginning, and so what uh, a note to go out on. Do not have surgeons' hands. Yeah. So I gather once you left that school, you did not look for um, a internship in a surgery program. It did not. It did not. You know, I went yeah. into general practice and, and continued to be extraordinarily slow at surgery. <laughs> at, at some point, I had to come to a reckoning with what Mr. Vera had told me all those years ago. Yeah. Where, did, where did you practice initially? So I'm in San Diego. Yeah. So I went into general practice. I actually, I thought that I wanted to be a lab animal veterinarian. Oh, really? Uh, yes, huh. because I, w- I love primates. I wanted to be Jane Goodall, but you know, obviously being a a primate veterinarian and being a primatologist out in the field are two very, very different things. And so I um, I signed up for the primate rotations in school and immediately found out about like the the harassment that the director of the primate facility incurred Mm. um, from certain segments of the population Mm. that didn't approve Mm. of what he did. Mm -hmm. And... Mm. The resident would come in every day and kind of rip his stethoscope off and say, I hate this thing, I'm gonna quit next week. And it was it just wasn't the pleasant experience I I guess not. <laughs> I thought we're we're going to have and so I figured I would do. So, so I can see little Jay Goodall in between all the primates with yeah. the residents that hated this job. Yes. Oh my It was yeah, my first experience with yeah. toxic cultures. Um, oh there you go. Yeah. Guess what Yola wanted to be before he became a veterinarian? What did I want to be? Guess. Oh, yeah. Guess. Um, male model? Oh. <laughs> oh, I love her, oh. you know. Why did we wait so long to get her on this podcast? That's what I want. You're working it. Yes. 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 Brown nose. Exactly. I have brown nose or fingers. Yeah. working it. Oh. Instead of searching fingers, yeah. she has brown nose yeah. fingers. What no. was it? He wanted to be an Egyptologist. Mm-hmm. I did. 
Yeah, she's speechless. She's sitting yes. there with her mouth actually open. Yeah, he wanted to be an Egyptologist. Why? I always had a fascination for Egypt and yeah. Egypt history. Yeah, it's crazy. It's yeah. just like, uh, I love history. Yeah. So as a matter of fact, uh, before I started doing veterinary medicine, I did a year of history and I flunked it completely because <laughs> I kind of partied a little bit too much. No. Um, and, and it was all self-study. And it was in a time period that, so I came from high school, didn't do any self-study because it's all regimented what you need to do. And then I, and there it was just, here is a whole stack of books. So I'm showing about uh, uh, four feet of books, four feet of books. Yeah. And uh, we see you three months for the exam. Mm. And then you have now and then a lecture to see, you know, some famous person that comes. And I didn't do anything for the four months until a week before. And I was like, oh, I have to study, I guess. So. <laughs> Did you have visions of like spelunking into a pyramid and yeah. discovering? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, and, and I was this far that I could read hieroglyphs. And I was really into it. Did you have the hat? It. Did you have the right hat? You know, uh, like, like Egyptologist in the thing. field. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I, I, I like that. But I did, yeah. I did feel that I could. I was the one that could find that tomb that everybody wants to find, yeah. and they couldn't, because you know, in 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 my life, I always have been a little bit outside of what normal people think so i was like okay everybody's digging there oh that looks really bad I'm, i'll dig there and then so you know find yeah. queen nefertari or whatever her name was uh, there you go i wanted to be a paleontologist oh really that's cool too i was that kid who mm. loved dinosaurs uh -huh. and and my parents <laughs> i don't god bless them Everything I wanted to do, they told me why I would be horrible at it, uh -huh. and they just didn't have enough of a frame of reference to tell me not to be a veterinarian, but um, when I brought up paleontologists, my parents, all they could think of is, you have to be out in the dirt so much, and you hate dirt, which is true, so maybe they scared me. I would have done it, but when I was little, apparently, um, I, like there are people that can't handle sand in their feet, uh. and I was one of them. Really? Yeah. Oh. So they tasked my older sister with dusting my <laughs> feet, feet off. Right. Okay, don't become an Egyptologist. No. No, no. Yeah. So, yeah. But, but then I went into a field full of fur and, and dirt. Yes. And dirt. Yeah. So I must have been oh, over it. Yeah. That's quite so interesting. So from general, how long were you in general practice? Oh, gosh. So I did general practice for two years. I did emergency for another three. Then oh. I went back to general then into hospice and now I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> so why the transition to writing? I actually, I have always written. I was writing ever since I was a little kid. Yeah. Um, but again, my parents were, you know, ever the supportive folks that they were, so writing's useless. Yeah, you can't so, make any money. No, yeah. no, don't, don't bother trying to actually make any money off of that. So I did it, but always just because I liked so when I was in school, um, I was writing, this was pre-blog, so this is around like 2000 or so, and I was engaged and I was getting married and there was a message board and that was the only way people really communicated back then, um, but I was in veterinary school and so I wasn't actually posting about my dress, that was not interesting to me, I was posting about my senior year of veterinary school. So this wildly popular wedding blog about vet school. <laughs> So that was, I I still say I have the world's first veterinary blog. Um, that, that About thank your God wedding. You can't find it. It's yeah, been, where is it? It's on one of my hard drives. It actually oh. got wiped um, way back when. It was probably a good thing because oh. that was before I realized 
a, the value of discretion online. Yes. You know, yes. so I learned a lot of lessons back then, but I wrote. And then yeah. um, I, I really had been writing just sort of behind um, walls all the way up until I started Pot Curious in 2009. So I've been doing that sort of continuously. So Pot Curious was 10 years and 11. Yes, a uh, Pot Curious launched in 2009. Yeah. And I was anonymous for about four months before I realized you can't yeah. be anonymous online. Yeah. Yeah. So basically every mistake that I see people making right now, I'm like, please talk to me because I've made it, mm. I promise. Mm. <laughs> yeah, there's no, uh, or certainly then too, there was no playbook, right? Like there was no, no rule book. No. You had to figure it out as you went. You, yes, yes, you did. It was kind of wild west out there. I look at what I wrote at the beginning and thinking, oh, I really don't think I would do that it, now. Again, yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> that, it, life has changed quite a bit yeah. so yeah. from the early starts uh, until now um, you wrote a book I did in 2015 I, I wrote a book called all dogs go to Kevin mm. to, to this date probably the thing um, of the professional accomplishment of which I'm most proud mm. it was it was awesome you know you always have that one thing that you want that, that vision that you have in your life, like, oh, if this one thing happens, it would it would fulfill so many things. And so for me, it was seeing my book in a Barnes and Noble. And I'm, I'm actually so glad that it happened before all the Barnes and Nobles closed, you know? <laughs> yeah, there's um, one left, I think. Yes, so the day my book came out, it was a little anticlimactic because I, it was just, it was my me and my son, you know, it was after school, and I'm like, oh, there's my book in Barnes and Noble, like, yay, and nobody cheered, nobody and nobody confetti. So bless his heart, he went around, because he knew how important this was to me. He's like, hey, look at my mommy's book. It's right there. And they're, you know, they're like, Aww. okay, kid. <laughs> like, no, really. That's so cute. It was very sweet. So where did that book come out of? What was it born of? Um, I had always wanted to to write a book. But the, the idea behind All Dogs Go to Kevin actually started... Um, Shortly after I launched my blog, my, my dog Emmett um, had lymphoma. And so that was one of the very first things that I wrote about. My children were very young at the time, and we are we're not particularly um, religious folks. And I was trying to explain the concept of heaven to my little kids. But since they've never gone to Sunday school, um, that was a new one for them. And so I was like, well, you know, Emmett's going to be going to heaven yeah. tomorrow. And, and yeah. my son said, who's Kevin? Why, why are you taking my dog? Why and, is Kevin taking my and dog? And it, it just it got worse, and I, I didn't know how to explain this whole thing, and so I was explaining about, you know, angels taking the dog to heaven, and then he started, my poor son had nightmares for a year, thinking about every time he got sick, these invisible angels were going to show up and drag him into the yeah. sky. So, yeah. yeah. Again, lots of lessons learned. Unintended consequences. <laughs> so, it's, so I, it's a wonderful book, by the way. As a book book critic, um, <laughs> I, I love it. As a matter of fact, I listened to it. Yes, they actually they asked me if I wanted to do the audio book, and I said, "Have you heard me speak? I'm not really sure that's my forte." But that they are professionals who yeah. who read your yeah. your books for you. But I said, "Well, I'll give it a try." And then, of course, I went full diva as soon as they put me in front of the microphone. I'm like, "Nobody else can do this yeah. justice. This is my story." And yeah. and. Actually, um, I don't know if I've told you this, but when I was reading it, I was trying to figure out how do you actually narrate something so it, so it sounds good. And my favorite voice is Anthony Bourdain. Mm -hmm. And he has a way of talking 
and his inflection, you know, and so that whole time I would get into my Anthony Bourdain mode, and every time I did, um, the, the way the producer who was Skyping in from LA would be in my ear and go, that take was really good, I'm like, that's an Anthony Bourdain voice. <laughs> and I got to meet Anthony Bourdain the next year, and I wanted so badly to tell him that story, but I knew it would be so super creepy. So all I did was say, I love your show. Yeah. <laughs> you had your one chance. I had my one chance. And then, and then, I never did that. Oh, gosh. I, I blew it. I have oh, to gosh, tell you oh, my, my uh, experience telling my kids about uh, imminent death of a pet. Yes. Because lots of people can resonate with right with that experience as a parent. So right. When, when my daughter was very young, probably about, I don't know, six or seven, we had a cat with lymphoma <laughs> and um, he'd been quite sick for a long time. He had a feeding tube in place and you know, our daughter's the daughter of two vets. So she had sick, she learned how to manage a feeding tube. She was like right in there with it. But he, you know, eventually got um, too sick and, and had to be euthanized. And so, you know, just like you, I'm trying to figure out a way to describe to a six year old what happens and that's when you even if you're not very religious that's when you resort to like you gotta know, tell them something you, you gotta fill the void with something yes. Yes. so I, uh, apparently I did a poor job of explaining where this cat was going to and I don't think she had any nightmares and she never talked about it much until one day about two months after Bernie was gone we're driving in the car and she's in her car seat in the back and we're just driving along and she says mom I finally figured out where Bernie is. And I said, oh. Yeah, interesting. As I did. Where's Bernie? (laughs) And she says, he got thinner and thinner until a big wind came along and blew him up to heaven. And I started crying in the car on the highway. That's just how she synthesized it in her mind. That's so much nicer than my child thinking that invisible bodyguards come and take his poor little buddy. Yes. I so, like I like that I know. version better. So Rose, if you're listening, that yes. was the best thing you ever said. Oh <laughs> one of the many best things you ever said she yes, meant true. to say. Rose, sorry. <laughs> did, yeah. Let's intervene oh. right here. That that is very, very cool. So I know. Um, I know. and so we had Sarah Boston on our podcast uh-huh. too, also a famous book writer. Yes. Yeah. Also a bestseller. And stand up comedian. And stand up yeah. comedian. And we cannot compete and, though, and, really. And I, I'm t- in total awe with you all because I would never be able to write a book, uh, not because I'm that good a storyteller, but it is the, what I think is amazing is that you, you know, I can imagine that you write blogs, which is a short piece, Yes. but how do you think about the storyline and how do you start and then end at a certain point? I, What's your process? <laughs> well, it it what it was very new to me because again I was used to mm. writing the blogs and because it was a memoir and so I, I didn't have to worry so much about continuity because they were things that happened mm. and so the structure was kind of already there. But I did it in three arcs, you know, and, and each of the three sections was based on a dog and so it just sort of naturally fell into place when this dog came into my life and when they left it and it correlated with these specific points um, in my life. And then I, I'm i pretty sure if you speak to a successful author, they would tell you that there's a process and a structure, mm-hmm. and I just kind of jury-rigged it along mm-hmm. the way um, and figured out how, how it was supposed to go. But um, <laughs> when I was having this conversation with, with my book agent, he's like, you know, is there gonna be a lot of dogs dying? And I'm like, well, 
Yes. <laughs> At least three. Mm -hmm. and, and he's like, that sounds like a lot of it. Now I'm going to make it work. It's going to be good. <laughs> so I, I'm not sure if my book has set a record for like the most dog the dying, dying but you know they, they have this saying that the the way to be a good writer is to open you know mm. open your vein and just bleed on the page and it was true because you really have to re-experience those um, situations in order to convey it on the page and it was it just wrecks you I'd be crying like my husband would walk by saying who are you on now I'm like Daffy oh, <laughs> this part so but it's good yeah. it's very is, it, is it a book that cat lovers will like to no no um, <laughs> oh it was very definitive yeah. well yeah. and I'll tell you why and I don't know if you know ask that for a reason but um, I, I, I had to put like a little bit about a cat in the afterward at least so I wouldn't get in too much trouble um, but when the reviews first started coming in on Amazon I have a friend who's an author and the first thing he told me was don't read the reviews mm. and it's a very difficult thing to resist mm. so I read the reviews at first and I had one of my very first very poor reviews um, it was because there weren't enough cats in well, it, dogs it, it wasn't me. <laughs> yes, I, was I bet it was. It, it probably was, was Susan as pseudonym. I know you were. Yeah. Wondering. <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> Not enough no. cats and all dogs. Yeah. I and love the title of it because my brother's name is Kevin, so oh. it's always stuck in my head. I love yeah, it. it's it's interesting. Um, all the different things that people take mm. take out of the book, mm. um, and there was there was a person named Kevin who ended up figuring in, into the book as well. So it all just tied together really nicely. And, so talk about reviews. Um, you do quite a lot of things on social media mm -hmm. too, and uh, your number one rule is. Uh, well, I have a few, but yeah, mm -hmm. like um, <laughs> it don't en don't engage the the nuttiness. I mean, mm -hmm. that's been the case ever since I started writing the blog. But I think the number one thing that I see veterinarians do over and over again, when somebody writes a review and it may be um, exaggerated or completely erroneous. They want to set the record straight. Like that's always their their plan, and that's really your goal. Shouldn't be about setting the record straight, right? Because uh, reviews are performance art. You are performing for the general public, and it's all about de-escalation. So you kind of have to be like a judo artist. And I've come to this realization that it, it is almost impossible to be dispassionate when it's about you. It, it just is. And so I don't know if we all need to like respond to each other's reviews. Because I can do it very well for you, but mm -hmm. even now, if somebody were to say something horrible about me, I, it's very, very difficult mm. to step back. I've, I think the first bad review I got was a woman who said that I, I held her dog down and stabbed it in the in the face, and it was you know a vaccine that I very professionally administered. So technically, you vaccinate dogs in their face? No, oh, no. But... <laughs> I think that might have been the intranasal bordetella. Oh, um, yeah, got it, got it, got it. I yeah. like the idea that we we could all form a group, yes. and when we one of us gets a difficult review online, I'll just contact somebody else. And, and I mean, I, I say that in jest, but not really, yeah. um, because I I can I can tell any other person on the planet exactly how they need to respond to their review, but I I don't think I could do it to myself. Like, but you, but they, I didn't. Like it's yeah. just human nature, yeah. And so I think we need to understand that you will always react that way as a human, and it's okay 
but you know, find a way to make it work so you don't do that to yourself. So your friend told you not to read the reviews of your book and you did it anyway. Only until when, like the cat. When, oh, so. <laughs> it when, was early on when I stopped reading. Yeah, I have yeah. no idea what the rating is now. I, but there's nothing I can do about it. Mm. You know, I'm not gonna go back and change the book. Mm. It really is for other people. If you ever wanna be entertained, you need to go onto Goodreads and find an author defending a bad review. Um, <laughs> it never ends well for them. Mm. This is true. Nobody, but it, it doesn't does. end well in social media often no. either because you get so ingrained into your response that you don't see the big picture anymore. Right. And you get you get down the rabbit hole and the rabbit hole gets smaller and smaller and you're just stuck at a certain point. You, you do and it, it always escalates um, when, when you get into that game and it's, it's never about if you want to be right, if you truly try to think about what your end goal is in responding to these reviews, one is to de-escalate whatever that person is is going on about. It's to, to ensure to everybody else that you look professional. Mm -hmm. And the, a lot of times what people will say to me is, well, I need to defend the honor of, of my clinicians. And I always sort of feel like, but the best way to defend them is, is to have their back in the clinic. It doesn't, because they can laugh it off if they know you're not going to take it to heart as their manager or their boss. There are so many other ways to do it, and you're kind of doing the exact opposite if you try to escalate the situation. You have just thrown them to the wolves, and now that one bad review is turned into, oh yeah, well not only did she do that, she's ugly too, and it just gets worse <laughs> and worse. Yeah. Okay, on that note, yes. we're already there. <gasps> no. I can't believe it. this is going so fast, but it's the good news is, we I know that Cliff is right here. I have so many for awesome next so have yes. to wait for the next episode. We do have to wait for the next episode. Okay. Oh my gosh. I okay. Can't wait. It's a cliffhanger. Tune in next time. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and while you're waiting, don't forget to go to our website, which is what doctor.podcast.net. That's very good. We asked that question of our uh, part-time social media assistant. I put him on the spot, and he didn't know the answer. Oh, oh no. it's kind of funny. Yeah. So, so herpodcast.net and on social media, we're at herpodcast. That's exactly it. And we have a new podcast called yes called cat cafe podcast yes we're very excited about yes, that too that so. one's directed towards pet owners instead of the veterinary team exactly and next week we will ask dr v if yes. she has listened to both podcasts oh. how about that oh now she's got time to compose yes, an answer exactly you really should have made a surprise okay so thank you very much <laughs> yeah. we'll see you next week, next week. Dr. Susan Little is a feline medicine specialist with two cat-only hospitals in Ottawa, Canada. She is best known as an international speaker and as the author and editor of two textbooks, The Cat, Clinical Medicine and Management, and August, Consultations in Feline Internal Medicine. Along with three cats, she also admits to owning two dogs, and you can follow her on social media with the handle at CatPetSusan. Dr. Yurla Kirpenstein is a diplomate of the American and European College of Veterinary Surgeons and a big cat fan. His specialties range from surgical oncology and reconstruction to minimally invasive surgery. He is the author of two textbooks on basic and reconstructive surgery. Did you know he was allergic to cats? Yola works currently at Hills Pet Nutrition. You can follow him on social media with the handle at GVETSX. This episode is made possible by the generous sponsorship of the Take the Pledge Against Struvites in Pets Facebook page. 
Did you know there are three easy steps to treat bladder stones in cats with lower urinary tract signs? Step one is to take a radiograph, and if there is a stone present in the bladder, step two is to use the Minnesota Urolith app for iPhone and Android to determine the most likely type of stone. Step three is to treat the cat for at least two to three weeks with an appropriate diet and see if the stone gets smaller. If so, keep feeding that diet until the stone is completely gone on follow-up radiographs. If not, check compliance with the owner and look for alternative treatment options. Join veterinarians worldwide to take the pledge not to remove struvite stones by surgery anymore. The opinions of this podcast are those by Dr. Susan Little and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein. Veterinary medicine is a complex profession, and often there are multiple diagnostic and therapeutic options for different disease processes. If you're a pet owner with questions, please go to your local veterinarian. If you're a veterinary professional, ask your questions on our Instagram page at per podcast.